windows, I can see when people are pulling in out there. So we'll wait a few more minutes, let everybody trickle in. Uh, if you want to take out your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> I need to speak up. At my meeting uh, this past week, there's a man there, and they, they told me he was 96. And he, he shook my hand, and he said, You know what I like about your preaching? Like, no, sir, what? And he said, You're good and loud. So I do what I can, you know. I hope that was good and loud, but I think maybe it was just really loud is what he intended by that. All right, so we'll be in Genesis chapter 1 here in just a second. Uh, let's let's start with a word of prayer. Jerry, would you mind leading us in prayer? Our holy God, we come before you as humbly as we know how, thanking you for being the God that you are, a God of mercy, a God of love, a God of patience, and your long-suffering with us. We thank you for your Son that died on the cross for our sins. And we pray that you would forgive us of anything that that we need forgiveness of if we repent of it. Thank you for this opportunity to study your word, help us to learn more about how to be the Christians we need to be. And as we go through our daily lives, we pray that you we would walk with you and that you would help us through these times, and we know that you will. Forgive us when we fail you, Father, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, tonight's class is going to be a little bit different. This is our 23rd class in this uh uh, version of a men's study that we've been doing together. And so uh, we've covered 23 topics over that span. And so my question is, is there a need for men to study together like this? Is there a specific need for this kind of study where we get together as men? Uh, not necessarily where we pick out topics like we've done and looked at those things, but just that concept of men coming together to study the Bible together is there a specific need for that? Why or why not? Okay, I've got a guess. That's a good start. I would agree, but why? Yes, sir. I feel like when we're able to join together as a group of Christian men, we can not only help each other grow, but also maybe hold each other accountable in a more you know, personal manner instead of just being like you're on the wrong. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think there is the opportunity to hold one another accountable, be there for one another in a more personal sort of way. What else? It's an opportunity for the older men to share wisdom with the younger. It is an opportunity for the older men to share wisdom with the younger men uh, in this kind of environment specific to men. What else? Mutual encouragement. There's mutual encouragement to be found there with, uh, to a certain degree, common experiences in our lives as men. What else? Some confession may go on some Okay, so there's not just accountability, there's also some confession that can take place uh, in this environment that would be helpful to us. This is what I'm struggling with, uh, maybe you're struggling with that. Also, uh, I think there is a certain degree of uh, mutual trust that is available that makes that possible. What else? Can all of those things be accomplished if women were present? 
to an extent. And I think that's the right, right answer, Steve. No, I was going to say some of them. But. Some of them, yes, absolutely. But I think there is a certain degree of comfort level and commonality when we come together as men uh, that can be helpful to us uh, specifically in this kind of environment. So I would say yes to this question for all of the reasons that you have shared. And I would ask you to keep those reasons in mind for a question we're going to answer at the end of class. We say, okay, this is something that we need. This is some of the reasons why we need it, all right, well, that should inform us about what we're going to do next in this study. Uh, I would say yes uh, for a number of reasons, the reasons you've said, uh, but specifically with this idea that this is a need for men to get together uh, without the women for us to study in this way. Uh, this, this is some hard-hitting Bible study. And so I want you all to write this down and remember this. Number one, you ready? Men are not women. Men are not women. Uh, can you all remember that one? Can you need to write that one down? Well, uh, in our day and age, that's somewhat of a controversial statement, isn't it? In the age of gender dysphoria and LGBTQIAAP, uh, that's the real acronym. Plus, uh, in this day and age of the trans movement, this idea that men are not women, that's something that is controversial to a certain degree. But it shouldn't be controversial for us as Bible believers. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He made them male and female. There are two sexes. There are two genders. And that should not be a sensitive or controversial statement for those who are Bible believers. And we can get deep into the weeds if we need to about all of that, but I think probably we all agree on that idea. Uh, that's binary. That's a word that comes up a lot in that idea of uh, non-binary. You can't put me in a box one or the other, right? Uh, we think about binary code. What, what's binary code? Ones and zeros. Ones and zeros. That's, those are the choices, ones and zeros. Uh, so there are two genders, male and female, and they're different. Men are not women. Women are not men. Uh, that binary difference is found in every cell in our body. In our DNA with XX and XY chromosomes, men and women are different, and they were created and designed by God to be different. We're compatible and comparable to one another, but we are created different. Uh, we think about this. I, I think... You know, it's just so, it ought to be so obvious to us, but that impacts really just about everything in our life to a certain degree. Uh, if you see um, a young lady that you know is pregnant, not that you think is pregnant, because you shouldn't ask any questions if you just think she's pregnant, right? But you see a young lady that you know is pregnant and you say, congratulations, I'm happy for you. What is one of the first questions that you're going to ask her? Well, what's it, what's, who's the daddy? Well, that's, that's the start. Uh, and then after that, you would ask, is, is it a boy or a girl? You're going to have a boy or a girl. And their response to that question immediately impacts the way we think about that child. It impacts the way we raise that child. And it should impact us because men and women are different. Men are not women. Women are not men. Uh, the second reason, uh, and this is a multi-parter, 
Yes, Jim. Yeah, so this is this is a discussion for another time, but that, that difference is grounded in sexuality, uh, in the way that sexuality is expressed. Um, and we can talk about that more, but that's, this is not the time and place for that. But that shows that these are different. Uh, they're compatible and comparable, as he's going to talk about uh, in chapter 2. Uh, but they're supposed to be different, designed by God to be different. At the same time, we see in the Bible men and women are spiritual equals. Would you agree with that statement? Men and women are spiritual equals. Uh, 1 Peter 3 and verse 7 says, Men and women Christians who are married to one another as husband and wife, they are fellow heirs together of the grace of life. That word heir there, that's some powerful stuff in the ancient world. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 in uh, verse 26 For you are all sons of God through the faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then notice verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. In that sense, you're one in Christ Jesus. And you are all heirs. And a woman is just as much an heir to God as a man is. And that is unprecedented uh, to a certain degree in the ancient world. And so we have this unprecedented unity and equality given to men and women in Christianity. And equality that did not fit the, the ancient culture. Uh, and despite whatever other differences we might have, we can all be spiritual equals and heirs in Jesus Christ. So I think we can agree with this. But why, how does that apply to what we're talking about tonight? Well, in a couple of ways. And so uh, this is 2A, right? But we have different roles. And it's not that men and women can't study together and talk about those different roles in Christ. But we can focus specifically on the roles that we have as men uh, when we do that. First uh, Corinthians talks a lot about roles. Turn over to First Corinthians. We could read chapter 12, 12 through 28, that talks about uh, many members but one body, and the eye and the foot and the hand. Each of these have a different role in the body, but they're all equally a part of the body, all important to the body. And we can read into that the idea of male and female, women and men, and our different roles. Uh, that's not Paul's specific application, but he's arguing from the general to, to the specific. So it's right for us to make an application like that. And in general, if we think about our roles in the church and in the family specifically, there is a role of submission and there's a role of authority. Which of those two roles is more important? They're both important, right? 
would you consider the role of submission as less important than authority? Well, look just a chapter earlier, chapter 11 and verse 3, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Would you consider God the Son less important than God the Father? I'd be blasphemous to suggest so. And yet, they have different equal roles. Uh, God and Jesus are equal, and yet Jesus submits to God the Father. Why? Because Jesus had a different role than God the Father. Uh, but the different role does not change their equality or their importance in what they're doing. Uh, ask this a different way. What's more important? A brain surgeon or a heart surgeon? It depends on which problem you have, right? Uh, and frankly, I'm sure this brain surgeon is awesome, but if I need bypass, I want a heart surgeon to perform that, right? Let me ask it in another way. What is more important? And maybe we can even vote on this one. Who is more important in a local school? An administrator or a teacher? Okay, who says teacher? Who says administrator? It's okay, Barrett. And it, no administrators? No administrators at all? Well, let's just say that you're just a community member uh, and you want to have good schools in your community. Would you rather have one really awesome teacher or one really awesome administrator in that local school? I'd want that one really awesome administrator who's going to set the tone, who's going to set the culture, who's going to hire the correct kind of people and train those people the way they ought to be. I would want that one awesome administrator. But if I've got a kid going into a classroom, would I rather have an awesome administrator or an awesome teacher in that classroom? I would want that teacher. I would want that teacher to be the better of the two, the, the greater of the two. And yet those two roles are both vitally important, right? Uh, and, and it's really missing the point to say, well, uh, one is better than, than another. Their roles are different, and the administrator has authority over the teacher, but that doesn't mean that the teacher might not be smarter or better educated or more competent or a better human being. And so the woman may be all those things, but she is placed in a different role. And so we, as men, have a different role given by God than women. Not in all areas, not in all situations, but when it comes to the home and the church, we are given different roles. And so we as men, uh, it is needful for us to have clarity in what our roles are, how those roles interact with the roles of others, and how we can be who God has called us to be in those roles. Steve? I would just add that sometimes, if we're not careful, there's a subtle feeling of a difference in value. <laughs> and you can use that same passage in 1 Corinthians 11.3 that nobody would argue the value of Jesus as being less than God, apart from his sacrifice, you know, and resurrection, you know, our, our faith is in vain. But he still was in subjection to the Father. And I do always the will of my Father who can never. But there's a subtleness there that 
if we're not careful and we're in a position of authority, like an elder or even as a husband or something of that nature, that when, when there's a, a problem, we've got to be careful in our mind. We don't think of ourselves, in, in other words, they offer a solution or they, they offer a, a suggestion, and we're thinking, but... <laughs> I'm the one in authority. My value is more than you. And yeah. that's just not the case, but that causes problems in both churches, uh, the, the, the church um, atmosphere, the family, as well as the home and family. Absolutely. And so, as we said, men and women are spiritual equals. It's not a matter of their value or their intelligence or anything along those lines. It's a matter of the role in which God has placed us as men. Uh, and being willing to fulfill that role. So we have different roles, uh, but this is really even, in some ways, more controversial in our day and age. Uh, men and women are spiritual equals, but we have different strengths and weaknesses also. If we're talking in generalities. Uh, there are some things that are men are generally better at, some things that women are generally better at, some temptations that are more generally toward men, uh, some temptations that are more generally focused on women. I, I think a good example of this, uh, we don't have time to go through this whole exercise, but uh, Proverbs 31, what's Proverbs 31? Uh, at least the second half of that chapter. The godly woman, the excellent woman, the woman of virtue, right? What's, what's Job 31? The godly man. The, godly man, uh, the man of virtue. Uh, and you look at those two passages and you compare them, there are a ton of commonalities. There's a ton of similarities in terms of their conduct, in terms of their character, in terms of who they are and their relationship with God. But I think there's a lot to learn by the differences in those two passages as well. In Job 31... The first 12 verses, really, there is a long focus on sexual sins and lust and faithfulness to your spouse and not committing secret sin that you don't see in Proverbs 31. And you know what you see in Proverbs 31? You don't see in Job 31? There's a long focus on inner beauty and grace without vanity and femininity. And I would say that those, in some ways, are two sides of the same coin. Both of those, to a certain degree, are related to our sexuality. And living in a sexualized society, I think those are primarily the problems for each. With men, it's sexual sins and secret sin and faithfulness to your spouse and lust. With women, it's uh, an infatuation with outer beauty and vanity and that lack of femininity in that way that is the temptation. Uh, and our culture lies to us on both of those. But if we're going to think about what is the strength and weakness of men specifically, it's going to be different as a general rule than what it is for women. And so I think it's helpful for us to spend this time together as men where we can talk openly and honestly about those sorts of things. But it's not just our weaknesses. I'd say it's also our strengths. Uh, there's a, a lot of controversy right now between social scientists and actual biological scientists 
uh, about this idea of what naturally men and women are better at. Uh, and it's clear, and some people view this as a negative, some as a positive, men uh, have this kind of propensity toward aggression that starts at an early age. You put that in a, in a positive sort of way, there is this kind of protective, competitive behavior in men. Uh, there is an inclination, the need to save somebody else, to provide. And I think that's God-given to a certain degree. Uh, and so we see this strength in men. Uh, and even that strength can sometimes be used against us. Uh, we think about Matthew chapter 4 and the temptations of Jesus. If we were going to come up with tempting a man, I'm not sure we would use the same things that the devil used. What, what might we use? Well, maybe a beautiful woman, right? And the devil didn't put a beautiful woman in front of Jesus. Uh, in some ways, that would be appealing to his weakness. I think in many ways, the devil appealed to his strength, his power, his special position, his authority, a shortcut to that authority. And the temptation was for Jesus to lose control of his strength and use it for selfish and carnal means. And I think that's a temptation for all men as well. Um, this, these strengths that we have, are we using them in a godly way or in a carnal way? All right, thoughts or comments there before I get to number three. I got three reasons here because I'm a good preacher and I have three points. Oh. Sir? Not just good, but and loud too. And loud. Good and loud preacher. All right, number three. Uh, you know me, you've heard me preach for enough years now to know uh, I want to bring it back to Jesus. I want to bring it back to Christ. And so I think a third reason why we need this kind of interaction and time together as men is because it's what we see in Jesus. So we see in Jesus a need. We see in Jesus a need for close spiritual male companionship. You ever thought about that? And this was not just a sign of the times that Jesus had this interaction with other men. Uh, Jesus broke all sorts of societal norms in regard to his relationship with women. The Gospels tell us all sorts of stories of Jesus interacting with women. Poor women and rich women, sick, grieving, old, young, Jew, Gentile, sinful, virtuous, widows, virgins, prostitutes, prophetesses. Jesus interacted with them all in all sorts of different scenarios. And there was no treating women as inferior or second-class citizens in his kingdom, uh, let me give you just one example, Luke chapter 8. Maybe we don't usually think about it in these terms. Were there disciples of Jesus who were women? Yes. Uh, so Luke chapter 8. I think Luke places it here intentionally. It's right after chapter 7, 36 through 50, uh, where there is this sinful woman, and she is the one who is allotted by Jesus. And everybody's going to remember what she did as opposed to this self-righteous man in whose house he found himself. And so in chapter 1 of verse, or verse 1 of chapter 8, excuse me, Luke chapter 8 and verse 1, Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. 
And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. From their possessions, maybe your translation says. So put that in English. What what does that verse tell us? Those verses tell us. He was not a respecter of the women, particularly in their status and society. Okay, so here's these women, and Jesus is not a respecter of persons, their status in society. We can expand on that. What does it tell us? They were in his entourage. They were, they were in his group of his followers, apparently. And not only that, what else do we learn about these women? They supported him financially, apparently, in the things that he was doing and the preaching that he was doing throughout uh, the region of Israel. Uh, So, I, I say that to qualify what I'm saying next. Jesus had unprecedented relationships with women of all different kinds and backgrounds, but Jesus's closest relationships on earth were with other men. Now, part of that was because he wasn't married. We understand that. But I think it shows a need for all of us, married or unmarried, maybe especially for those who are unmarried, but for all of us to have these kinds of relationships. So here's the question I want us to answer. What were the circles of Jesus' relationships on earth? What were his closest relationships? Um, I'll flip this over. Uh, So if we were going to draw circles on the board and say, okay, this is Jesus, and those who are closest to Jesus, um, what would we do? Okay, so we put the apostles up there somewhere, right? Uh, Okay, I'd put the apostles up there too. Uh, Do you want to go from close to far or far to close in these relationships? Uh-huh, okay, now we're getting somewhere, right? So we got the apostles, and then among the apostles, there's there some that were closer? Apparently, who? Peter, John, and James, right? Sometimes it's called the inner circle. The, the, the scriptures didn't refer to it that way, but that's a good enough designation. Uh, we think about Jesus and his relationships on earth. Um, I think it would start with his closest was with God, his Father, obviously, right? He would often go to places alone for what purpose? To pray, not R&R, so that he could pray and be close with his Father. So our closest circle is with the Father. But the next circle out from that would be what? Peter, John, and James, his inner circle. And then from that circle, the next one out would be who? The twelve apostles. And then from that circle, where would we go next? Yeah, disciples, right? Okay, so that's uh, disciples or followers or learners, right? Followers. Okay, where would we go next? Your kin were in there somewhere. Okay, where would we put the kin? 
Like some of some of his kin were disciples. Like James and John, uh, Jesse mentioned this in Bible class. They were probably his cousins. Uh, there's some implication, perhaps, that they were his cousins. Um, so maybe some were there. But if we're just talking physical kin, physical family in general, uh, where would we put them? Maybe next, right? So physical family. Uh, why would we do that? Is there a text that indicates that? He showed a lot of emotion yeah. at different events with his kin. Yeah, so clearly there was uh, care and concern there. There was, he made sure his mama was taken care of. When his mama asked him to do something, he did it, those sorts of things. But why would we not put them above the disciples and apostles and so forth? Okay, so there's a negative argument of, well, we don't have a lot of evidence that shows that he spent a lot of time with them instead of with his apostles. Most of his time was spent with the apostles and disciples, at least in his public ministry. Do we have a text that indicates that, though? Luke 8, 21. Go ahead. In Luke chapter 8, when he refers to the disciples, he said, well, they were looking. He said, your mother and your brothers are here. He said, these are my mother and brothers. Yeah, exactly, that's right. They say, hey, your, your physical family's here. He's like, well, look around. This is my family. This is my family right here. Okay, so physical family. And then if we got even bigger from there, where would we go next, do you think? Um, we might say everybody else, but I, I might put the multitudes uh, in there. So we think about these relationships that he had from close to less close, uh, and um, and I think we can demonstrate that from from the biblical text. Uh, he had compassion on everybody. Uh, everybody had the opportunity to move closer in the circle from the multitudes and physical family. Well, you could move closer. Everybody had the opportunity to become a disciple, become a follower of Jesus, uh, and then from there, though, he made some selections. So if we're going to say which of these groups included women and men, uh, I've got pink up here. Is that is that two on the nose? All right. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna put a check mark by the ones that included women and men, where would I go? Yes, yes, yes. But these two closest circles were all men, right? Now I don't want to. Uh, draw larger conclusions than what are in the text. But we see certainly that he calls these 12 men, these apostles, and he trains them. He sent them out and gave them power and authority in a special way. Uh, he, he, he taught them in a specific way, and disciples would probably included, be included in that as well. He answered questions. He gave explanations that the rest of the multitudes did not receive or hear. But I want us to think especially about that inner circle of Peter, James, and John. I always felt bad for Andrew, right? The two brothers and then the other brother and then Andrew's, you know, he was the one who called Peter to come and follow in some ways or that I found Jesus. Uh, why Peter, James, and John? Well, we know they were among some of the first called uh, in Mark 1 and Luke 5, maybe the first called specifically to follow him in this way. 
Um, but there are three things that we see in the text. There are three occasions where they were uh, only them. They were only allowed to be there. There's the raising of Jairus's daughter, Mark chapter 5. There is uh, the transfiguration, right, in Mark chapter 9. And then what's the third one? In the garden to pray in Mark chapter 14. And so what we see in those three things, there's lots of things that we can maybe draw from that, but we see that he confided in them in a special way. He gave them knowledge and confided in them and told them not to tell anybody in a special way that he didn't with everybody else. Uh, Mark chapter 5, he gave them strict orders not to let anybody know what was happening at the, at the raising of Jairus' daughter. Mark 9, at the transfiguration, now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And then turn to Mark chapter 14, uh, if you would, for just a second. Mark chapter 14. And we find this in Matthew's Gospel too, but verse 33. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death, Stay here and watch. Two things jump out at me. He took Peter, James, and John with him and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Why did he start now? The time was drawing near. There's a time element. But he held it together until his closest companions were there with him. And then he confides in them and says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. So he confided in them in a special way. Uh, we think about the transfiguration. Um, certainly in Mark chapter 9, he revealed himself to them in a special way. And then number three, he asked them to help him in a special way. Here in the garden, uh, he asked them to pray for him, at least in Matthew's gospel. Watch and pray, he says later on, verse 38, lest you enter into temptation. And I think we all need men like that, that we can confide in, that we can reveal ourselves to, our struggles and our successes, and that we can ask for help in a special way. Um, and if I had my dreathers, uh, I would love for, for us to find that among our brethren. Uh, maybe not everybody that's here, but to have people like that. And I hope that this class can be a jumping off point for that in, in some ways. I say all that hopefully to convince you that Something like this is beneficial, is helpful. It doesn't have to be arranged the same way we've done it. So here's what I want to do next. You said that this is a good thing, a needful thing. I think the scriptures indicate that it's a good thing, a needful thing. What is this going to look like for us from, from here on? What are we going to do next? Uh, we've studied, what did I say? 20, uh, 23 topics already. Uh, maybe that's run its course. I think we have one more class like that next month. 
um, that, that Jose is going to teach. Uh, but besides that, um, we're wide open. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a couple of minutes of uh, silence to think about that. And then I want us to discuss it in the uh, time we have left. Okay? Uh, maybe just as jumping off points, I thought, well, instead of topics, we can just study a book of the Bible uh, and have people that sign up to teach a chapter at a time or however we want to divide that. This could be a training class, and a lot of times we think young men's training class, but I mean, I think it could be a training class for all of us. There's lots of things that I'd like to learn to do better, and this is a great training ground to where if we're going to do talks, if we're going to do uh, those sorts of things, then this allows us an opportunity to do that and get feedback from other men uh, as we think about that. Uh, we could turn this into, I put book club up there, but the idea is we have a devotional book or a book that we read and then we come together to discuss the things that we read. This could be something where we're just reading a section of scripture. Uh, we have a daily Bible reading that we're all supposed to be doing uh, and then we come together to discuss those things. Uh, we could turn this into something that's really more about prayer and then service. And so we come together, we talk about what needs to be prayed for, we pray for those things, and then we say, this month we as men are going to go and do these things as Christians. Uh, or y'all have another idea that we come up with. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quiet for two minutes. I want you to think about that, and then let's talk about it. Or listening to Josh and me talk over there. So, uh, so Josh, do you want to say your point, or do you want me to say it for you? Okay. So, I think Josh makes a good point that it's not just what Jesus. Obviously, it's not just what Jesus is receiving here, but He has great purpose in preparing Peter, James, and John, the twelve apostles, for the work that they're going to be doing, uh, especially as He's gone, right? Obviously, and as a leader, He's preparing them for that. 
Um, I definitely see that 100% with the apostles. Um, you had to convince me a little bit more that that's his primary purpose with Peter, James, and John. Um, you know, certainly Peter and John especially take a lead uh, in some of the things in the early church, but uh, that works both ways, and that's true of us and our relationships as well, that we need to be purposeful in what we're doing to prepare others, uh, and that especially applies with the older teaching the younger um, and our older men taking advantage of those teaching opportunities. Okay, so what do y'all think? Where do, you, where do we want to go from here? So that's like a specific topic. Uh, what to look for in a church congregation. Yeah, absolutely. If we had a book to follow instead of instead of topics, um, that's something that we could do pretty easily, right? We just have to find the right book and and get after it. I think maybe plan plan events of some kind together, uh, <clears throat> fishing trip, uh, just to just to get together, uh, talking session or whatever. We used to, yeah. at one of the congregations I attended years ago, all the men, every Friday night, one, one of the guys had a big barge, and we'd get out every barge. Friday night, yeah. and, and we'd get out there and we'd fish yeah. until the fish quit fighting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that's great, right? Like, like we shouldn't limit ourselves to just Bible study here, right? It was really close. It was intense. It was great. Interact. You, you learn personalities. You learn things come out that you wouldn't that wouldn't come out. Of I think that's excellent. Now we need uh, somebody in charge of doing that, right? And saying, all right, who's going to organize for to make that happen? There's leadership in that too, right? I think that I think that'd be awesome for us to have some other opportunities to get together as men. Yes, sir. Uh, I like the training class idea just because I'm still in the process of learning how to lead in the church, and I want to better myself and my talents. And, uh, yeah, and I think I think that's something we can all benefit from. Okay. Yes. Uh, service and prayer uh, and I think there's a theme there that I kind of like the idea of that we're coming together more purposeful and we're having a, so maybe some full sort of combination of something like that that 
Yeah. Um, I mean, that would be ideal, right, for us to kill more than one bird with a stone, right, with an evening. We're going to get together. Um, So something that I did before was I sent out a survey about this and what we wanted to do. Uh, that's great, and other people can participate that aren't here in this, but you are the guys that are here, right? Um, so I kind of feel like y'all get first say in what this is going to be. Uh, if we really think this is something beneficial and helpful, um, what do we want to make it be, and who's who's going to... I mean, I'm, I'm happy with organizing that, right? But... Um, uh, we have to have some men who are going to step up and, and take the reins on actually teaching these classes as well. So do you all want me to send something out and ask, or are we going to decide something tonight? didn't go exactly as I imagined it in my mind uh, for this section. <laughs> Hang on, we're going to say, okay, let's do this, and we're going to figure it out. Jesse? Um, I'd like to brainstorm a little more about what Jerry was saying. Uh, and maybe brainstorm uh, what we could do, and maybe that'll... Uh, I, I like the event. Fishing, he brought that up. Not everybody fishes. Yeah. Um, maybe. Who fishes? I would do it. Yeah. I don't want to If I had somebody to I mean, it. I don't fish, but I, I have fished before. It was great, you know. So I could certainly eat fish. Yeah. So, uh, so we could do something like fishing, but we could also do something like a service project. I agree this is healthy for us to 
come together to study and to help each other uh, iron sharpen iron, but also maybe look at what can we do as a congregation to really focus on on our young people and, and their development and giving them a safe spiritual environment. Well, I know the Geeslings on Monday night uh, have been doing that um, pretty pretty regularly, just about every Monday night. Uh, but, uh, you know, as many opportunities as we can provide for that, the better. Um, and, and we as men, it's interesting, one of the things in Job 31 uh, that is not found in Proverbs 31 is a commitment to hospitality. Which, which one of those has a commitment of hospitality? Job 31 with Job and the men, right? We think of hospitality as a woman's thing sometimes, but that's not the way it's portrayed in the Scripture. And we see that over and over with going all the way back to Abraham uh, and Lot and so forth, right? That that hospitality is kind of put on the men to a certain degree. And so... Uh, but men have to step up and say, all right, I'm going to do this, and I'm looking for support to do that, uh, and I'm willing to do it. So... Um, if it's everybody's job, it's nobody's job, right? I think in our, uh, as you put this out to a survey, I think that when we respond, we need to also volunteer to lead something. You know, maybe we offer something, but let's also volunteer to, to lead something. Well, we can just put a place on there. I'll write that down. Um, what are you willing to volunteer to do? Like, I'm willing to teach a class. I'm willing to host people. I'm willing to train. Whatever the case might be, what are you willing to do, volunteer to do, uh, along with that. We're all looking for opportunities. Well, here's one for us, right? All right. Uh, does Brenda have everybody's email? Oh, we'll send it out to all the men, but does everybody get the emails? And so you have the ability to respond. I'll put it on the Facebook page also so that we can do that. Uh, this, is, this is your class, and so we're going to decide, you know, which direction we go from here. Uh, that's going to be on y'all. Uh, anything else? Yes, Josh? Would this be the right environment to work in, maybe some community service and evangelism type stuff? I think absolutely. If we're talking about a training class, I think, uh, I think Todd said combining that idea of a training class with service and prayer, uh, I think evangelism would certainly be a part of that. That's what I had in mind. It's not just, hey, what am I doing in the collective worship, but what should I be doing in teaching uh, my friends and neighbors and so forth. That's what I had in mind, but I think there'd be a place for that. I think there's an opportunity with the training class. There's there's a lot of talented people in this room. Mm -hmm. And if we could tap into, you know, specific skill sets of people. Like for instance, you know, day in and day out, every week, you have you prepare sermons. Well, you know, maybe go through, hey, here's what I usually do. Here's my general format, and here's the sources that I usually use. That's just one example. Uh, and that might help <coughs> any of us if we, you know, need to come.
come up with a sermon or a Bible class or something mm -hmm. along those lines. I'd love to do that. I would love to do that. What else? Steve? Steve's going to be here every month. I just want you to know from this point forward. Every month. It's not my class, but I would, in your survey, I would put down, because I see a lot of young men here, and let's say that uh, you decide to do something of service. By the way, with this inner circle stuff, you also have to realize that you have those that one wanted to sit down on the right hand, the left hand. You have these guys arguing as to who's the greatest. And the Lord had to do some leadership teaching and say, he who is going to be greatest in the kingdom, let him be a servant of all. So the idea of service is very important. But I see these young guys out here, and those of us that are older, need to recognize they may wish to volunteer for something but have no idea how to organize it. So you might put down, if we were going to, I think it would be good to do X, Y, Z for the widows in the congregation. But I don't know how to do that. Would somebody help me? And then some of you that are older who have organized some things say, yeah, I'll help you organize. Sometimes we look for people, to the people who volunteer already know how. That's why they volunteer. Oh, I know how to do that, you see. But if it's a training in service, there may be some of you younger fellows that are like, oh, I'd like to learn how to Put this together or, or how do you guys go about having a people over to your house you know that type of thing they if they if they don't grow up in it they don't know how and some of us as parents we learn from them so you, you might put down on that form I would be glad to help someone younger do one two three four and some of you younger guys if you if you're wanting Get in there and work. The greatest in the kingdom are those who serve. Say, <laughs> mention something specifically. I'd like to learn how to do this or that. Could somebody help me? Yeah. What would you What would you like to learn how to do? I think that's good. All right. Uh, well, we've exhausted this. I think. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send that survey out. Um, we'll get responses. Uh, like I said, Jose is supposed to teach next month. Um, and uh, hopefully that, that works out. Um, but we'll plan on meeting again next month with a clearer idea of where we're going to go from here. Uh, if you have something specific that you would like for me to include on the survey or uh, an idea that you didn't bring up as we were sitting here talking together, um, just contact me on that and we'll see where we can go. Uh, anybody have any final thoughts or comments before we're finished tonight? Yes, Daniel? It's the, the last Monday in May is Memorial Day. Are we meeting on Memorial Day? Uh, then we would probably not meet on Memorial Day. Okay.
Why don't we shoot for May 22nd? Does that work for everybody? Give me a thumbs up if that works for you, May 22nd. Give me a thumbs down if it doesn't work for you. Ah. Well, so our service project is for everybody to be at the hospital with Jerry. Where are you having that, Jerry? To drive to Houston. Actually, the service project is for Jerry to have a list of five things that he's going to do anyway or need it done, and then we can do it for him. I love that. And, and Jerry will. Well, absolutely. Okay, so. Uh, Let's not get out of hand. All right, so May 22nd? All right, we'll plan on that. Uh, if there's nothing else, Sean, will you lead us in a closing prayer, please? Our Father, we come to you at this time and thanking you for being our Father and allowing us to be your children. And we're thankful for this opportunity that you've given us to come together as men and gain strength from one another that we can look your word for guidance for ways in which we should conduct ourselves each day. We pray that we would intentfully look at these things and, and make it our purpose to to be the men that you would have us to be in your, in your service. That you would help us to lean on one another, to draw strength from one another, to encourage and motivate each other to love and good works as you would have us to. Father, we're so thankful for your son who, through his sacrifice, gave us the opportunity to be your children, be adopted and, and considered part of your fold. And we pray that, that, that we'd never take this for granted, but always be, be thankful and be grateful for the sacrifice that, that, that forgives us of our sins. We pray that we would live each day in a way to glorify him and you and the things that we do examples that we set for those that are around us, that we do those things to, to, to reflect your life in the way that we live each day. Father, we know that we sometimes sin and we fall and we leave those things undone that we should do and we do those things that are contrary to your word. We pray that we recognize those things and, and correct them and, and, and that you would forgive us when we fail. Father, as we go out in this place, we pray that we would, we would be better in the future than we have been in the past, and that we would be good examples and, and be willing to teach others as we have opportunity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.